and welcome to Studio Notes with me, Sasha DeWitt, and today's guest, Claudia Kenna. Claudia runs Art and People, a Bristol-based art advisory service that offers guidance to artists and collectors. And for me, I think it's this combination that I found so interesting about what Claudia does. Um, you offer coaching and workshops for artists and curation for collectors. And I have to admit, when I first met you, I was very new to the painting world and I had never heard of somebody who did curation outside of a sort of museum or gallery setting. And I found that really, really fascinating about you. But before we get into that, what I always do and what I always ask artists when they're on the podcast is to tell me a little bit about their journey, how they got into doing what they're doing. And especially with you, I'm quite fascinated. Like, how did you end up doing sort of art advisory for artists and and the curation side as well. So what was sort of your starting point with all of this? So do you want the long version? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, strap in. Um, firstly, thank you so much for yeah inviting me. This is this is a real treat to to share this space with you. So thank you so much um, for for having me um, and for that lovely introduction. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I yeah. So the long version is I um, I started out as a musician actually, and um, I did that for yeah nearly a decade and um, was working in all kinds of manner of different ways in order to make a living doing that. Um, had my own projects and then I um, worked as a session singer as well and session songwriter. So there's kind of lots of different ways of of managing that as a as as a singer and performing artist. Um, all the while, um, I mean, lucky enough to have a family business who uh, run a gallery. And so whenever I was in the downtime from, you know, not having gigs or a show, um, I would work for the gallery. And I mean, it's to be honest, it started even before that. Um, whenever I was, uh, yeah, me, me and my brother used to joke that as soon as we were old enough to hold a hammer, we were in the workshop um, at the back, back making, we called it hooks, wire and backing, which was uh, the only thing we were allowed to do. <laughs> it was like safe enough. Um, so we would put, uh, yeah, put the put the backing on all of the pictures and that was our sort of Saturday job. Um, but yeah, more officially, I, I started to, to to kind of work with them in the in, in these kind of down periods. And I was really enjoying the whole environment of kind of being in this dynamic space and, you know, working with the artists and seeing the art coming through. And it was interesting. It was it kind of caught me at a at a time where um, things were becoming more difficult and more challenging for me as a, as a musician. I was not really making enough money to survive. Um, and I also just stopped enjoying it. I sort of, you know, when something is your and I'm sure lots of people <laughs> resonate with this, when something is your passion and your love, the minute it becomes your livelihood, it really changes your relationship to it. And um, so that's what was starting to happen for me. And so I was unbelievably lucky to have this kind of other avenue um, that was available to me because I, that was how I grew up. Um, and so the, the sort of less I was doing of music, the more I was of working in the gallery. And I was like, actually, I, I, I really love this. And so I kind of made the switch. Um, and decided to put a pin in my career as a musician and, and move to working full time for the family. So it was a long road from there. You know, I started very much started at the bottom um, again, sort of mainly in the workshop and in, in the office, kind of doing all the admin side of things that my mom really didn't want to do um, and sort of learning the ropes of how a gallery ran, essentially. Um, and then as I kind of got, you know, more comfortable with it, um, started doing more of the artist liaison and then and going out and doing the sourcing with mum, which was honestly the best, the best bit because she, you know, they came, my mum and dad set it up in 1980 as a, um, a gallery where they would sell um, artists by, un, sorry, artworks by unknown artists, um, usually part had already passed away. So they'd go to France and essentially fill a carload of, of artworks uh and and sell them and it was sort of this very lucky kind of boom of the 80s where everyone was just buying antiques and it was it was a great time and so mum's got that you know she's very much a dealer so her model has always been to buy as much as possible wherever budget allows so we we have sort of 50 percent of sale of return and then 50 percent of, of of um buying arts directly and because she was born and brought up in Argentina <clears throat> excuse me that's where um, she is from, um, we would go to Argentina and Brazil and we would 
meet loads of artists and buy art and bring it back and so I was like I really like this job <laughs> all of a sudden it was like yeah uh, really piqued my interest even more and that engagement with the artists that engagement with their you know with their practice and their studio and and it it, it was it was like everything kind of came together and I think the reason I, I feel like it it felt so relevant to to um my journey as a musician is that I I felt like I was understanding the artists that we worked with on a on a deeper level because I I know that struggle I know what it's like to to live off your art um and so I would get very close to the artists that we worked with and so the more um the more we developed um you know with with the artists we worked with the more I would nurture them and work with them and the thing that kept coming up was how little they knew about their own practice or how that fit mm -hmm. into the kind of professional kind of sphere. And so, yes, you know, they could do this amazing work in the studio, but then what happens next? And so artists would come to the gallery and be, you know, have no idea about pricing and um, have no idea about, you know, how to kind of navigate the work or what to title the work or, you know, how to talk about the work. And so that was always in the back of my head, like what is happening in these art schools? Like what, or, and if they haven't been to art school, then they've even got less of a chance of kind of that awareness. Um, and we definitely didn't exclusively work with uh, people who went to art school. It's very much not not the prerequisite. Um, so all alongside that, I was also starting to work more closely with the gallery collectors. And for me, because again, I think because I've come at it from a slightly different angle, um, the sort of sales side of it is probably honestly my least favorite part, the kind of retail end. And for me, it's much more about connecting people with the work. So if I see someone really engaging with an artwork, it's that's that for me is the exciting bit. And I want to encourage that and help that and sort of, you know, enjoy that process with them um and kind of allow them to find the piece that really makes them sing. So I was just like, okay, well, what I really love is that kind of nurturing that relationship with how people enjoy art so that's when I started to kind of branch out a bit and offer this one-to-one -one service for the gallery collectors where I would mm. help them to find a piece because they would often walk in and say oh you know I, I love art but I just I don't really know anything about it and I don't know what you know don't know what I like and you know I've got this space and I've got the bit of money but I'm not sure and I was like okay now this I can do this I can help you with because it's about kind of you know connecting the dots and 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 kind of also encouraging people that this is not um you don't need to know anything about yeah. art and I think that is the biggest thing that collectors find and even to call someone a collector they're like oh no that's not me it's like no no like we uh, since the end start of time have collected things and gathered things and surrounded ourselves with things of beauty and there's no reason why art should be any different but it's been given this kind of you know uh lauded name of you know you, you have to have a certain amount of money or a certain amount of status to, to collect art and it's just nonsense actually so a lot of what I do is try and break that down and so yeah um that was all happening um but in the head back of my head I was like but but you know artists need help as well and I was getting to the point of of kind of you know wanting to to fly the nest you know I'd learned so much from working with mama literally everything you know we we I mean she's the most she was the most amazing mentor to me um to be able to understand the business and see how it works um but also how to work with artists and how to work with collectors and so I really yeah um that those years working at the gallery taught me everything um and then there was just this sense of you know that is mum's story and her journey and I felt like there was maybe a different path for me in a, in a kind of slightly different context so that's when it all kind of came together I was like okay well I just you know I'll offer advisory for art for collectors um but then there was this thing in the back of my head was like but if I'm not helping the artists and I'm not having that day-to-day -day kind of relationship with them then this feels really one-sided like I'm only servicing the collectors and I felt like that's not enough for me and it's not enough for the artists I want to be able to help them on both sides so it's a bit of a light bulb moment when I was helping an artist uh do a show out in California and um a lot of the a lot of the other artists at the fair were kind of sort of saw us and, and saw us working together and sort of saw this dynamic that was working out and were kind of like coming up and asking for advice and all these kinds of things. And I was suddenly like, oh, okay, maybe there really is something here. The universe was definitely sending me a lot of messages about that. And I thought, actually, yes, this is this is something I can do to help help both parties. And it also just felt really 
really uh, a way of kind of coming full circle because the more artists I'm meeting at those early stages of development, the more I'm able mm-hmm. to offer to those collectors who are, you know, just starting to buy and don't have huge amounts of money, but want to, you know, own an original piece. So that was how the circle kind of completed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but I love that. I love that. Um, something that has always struck me is because I, I know you work with emerging artists, but also I, I consider this like emerging collectors as well. Yeah, you know, that's such a nice same thing, it. really. <laughs> so true yeah that's such a nice such a nice parallel because I think yeah it's it is about encouraging both sides and I think it's a great sort of um it's great to introduce them to each other essentially because they're both they both need each other (laughs) so yeah that's that yeah and I think that's what works really nice about seeing what you do because you have that you have knowledge of both sides and I think Mm. for me that's always been sort of I've I've done all of your workshops and part of that is because when I hear you speak and I, I feel like, oh, you have all this knowledge and you have, it's like real life. And also for me, it's sort of, it's like, you're not, um, I think when people, sometimes you get like, oh, the art world and it becomes mm. it, that, even that phrase alone just fills me with some sort of fear and confusion. And I think it's like, you have this background, having worked with your mom, with the gallery, doing all of this stuff in what I would consider the art world. But you're very down to earth and I think very mm. approachable. And maybe that's what a lot of artists like is that they see that you might be that sort of, they're emerging artists and emerging collectors and you're sort of that next step to help them become more confident within this world that they might not be confident in. And maybe and maybe that world is sort of, it's, it's a fabrication of people saying oh, the art world, well, what does that really mean? So true. And I feel like, I wish I could put that on my homepage because that's how you really like distilled that so much for me in terms of yeah my intention I really really want that to feel approachable because it Mm. it can feel so alienating and I think you're so right I've always really struggled with that uh phrase the art world and I used to I used to always put into my copy and things the world of art talking about navigating Mm. the world of art which I think is so much more um you know so much more inclusive because I think the art world yeah has so many connotations of you know if you're not in it because it's this whole exclusive thing if you're not in it then you know this week especially with freeze week is one of those weeks that makes everyone feel really inadequate you know for not being involved <laughs> yeah. and invited to things and blah 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 and it's like yeah it's um I really try and break that down so that's really nice that you feel that and you know feel that you've experienced that through the workshops that that means a lot to me well, and I think I'm going to take that phrase, the world of art, and like yeah. write it down so that I can use it as well. So that when people are saying the art world, I can just turn it on its head yes. and be like, actually, the world of art, because it's a much broader way of thinking, I feel. Right. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, let's 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 try and let's try and re kind of, uh, yeah, reframe it and um, put that vernacular into the world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. And Something else that you mentioned, so I know that um, you you work a lot with sort of emerging artists and sort of self-taught artists. Mm. So thinking around this whole concept of the world of art and sort of what steps people can take to become introduced or to become more confident, mm. maybe become more confident within this, what would be some advice you might give to um, artists who are within that realm? Yeah, and I think confidence is 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 the one because that that's the difficult that's the difficulty. Um, and so, I think just exposing yourself to these situations and real making making yourself realize that it's not actually as as scary as it seems, and actually it can be really fun to get involved. Mm-hmm. So I think kind of involving yourself in events and and showing up to stuff is it's the it's the most simple and and, you know say simple sometimes that can be really daunting but buddy up with another artist and kind of you know have a little gallery club where you where you just go to events and you sort of check in with each other and maybe have a little group where you share oh yeah I'm going to this tonight you know who's up for this and kind of doing it as a group so that it doesn't feel so daunting and then arriving Mm. and just taking it as like a little bit of an artist date you know and going and being like oh what do we think about this work and supporting the other artists in that community because I think that from you know speaking to galleries who have had uh been approached by artists actually vouching for other artists and saying hey I think you'd really like this artist so it's kind of supporting your fellow artists maybe artists that are a little bit further along in their journey than you that can be a really powerful way of kind of accessing because they know what it's like 
um you know it's probably easier than kind of buddying with with the the collectors sorry the um curators and the galleries the gallery owners at first um so kind of getting involved with the other artists um because because there is that feeling of you know they've been there before um so yeah going to things um you know so also also having access so that you have autonomy so that you're not waiting around for that call from the gallery it's kind of making stuff happen for yourself is a such a game changer because I always say it's like you know if the gallery wants to find you fine so we need to show them what we can do and that could be something as simple as again buddying up with a couple of artists and putting on a little collective show somewhere it could be in a cafe it could be in a you know small space that doesn't cost a huge amount of money but create your own opportunity um mm. and then show them what is possible and you know invite people you know you, you've all got a community you've all got a community and who has friends of friends um and so it's that's the place place to start and don't feel like oh it's only friends and friends and friends it doesn't matter that's mm. how it all begins and I think if you can demonstrate to a gallery um, or even to, you know, to, to other collectors that you've kind of got your package together. <laughs> it sounds awful to put it in those terms, but that is sort of what they're looking for is somebody who's, you know, got a body of work that's cohesive, is able to, you know, put it on a wall and present it, you know, outside the studio, has thought about their pricing, um, you know, ideally has, has a little bit of a community and albeit that can be small, but it just shows that sort of initiative is 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 really vital. Mm. So so getting together with other artists, mm. going to shows together, yes. doing like buddying up, buddying um, up, using other artists to get sort of peer mentorship type things. That can um, be nice too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then creating, maybe doing a, a show or an exhibition just to show, and also to give yourself that that experience. I think exactly. every time you can go show, you get experience, you learn. Like you said, you were in the workshop at your parents' place doing the wire back yeah, yeah. on frames. And every artist who's ever hung anything knows what a pain in the ass that oh is, basically. Yeah, and it's exactly. like learning all those little things. How am I going to do the framing? How am I going to do the hanging? How am I going to do my label? So it's like having that real exactly. life experience and then moving forward and then and then sort of getting galleries interested from there exactly and I think you're so right that practice run is so useful I did a um a curating residency at this um venue in Bristol and what was so nice about the it was sort of a you know a group show hung in this in this event space that was also a restaurant sort of a you know mixed mixed purpose venue um but what was really lovely was working with artists who'd never showed before ever mm. and so the whole process for them was actually a real learning it was like oh I need to like frame this <laughs> for one I need to put a title on it yes I need to figure out what you know uh what the um yeah like ev ev basically everything that went into getting that artwork on the wall and I thought actually this is a really nice way for artists to find out what they need to figure out so that when they do work with people it's smooth and it's not mm. like oh this person has no idea what they're doing and you know it's it's slowing things down because you know to put it to put it as plainly as 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 I can like time equals money for a gallery so if they think somebody's kind of gonna gonna take them time I mean the amount of times I've had artwork delivered to on the day of a show um, you know at the max of the deadline without any hooks on the back like you say the wire on the back it's like well do you know what it might just not get hung and then it's like so all these things that kind of if you're able to do that yourself and realize oh gosh actually it's really useful if that's done in advance or you know because I think seeing it from the other side essentially is what's really really useful and that's why you know it's amazing how many artists curate their own fairs now and you know do their own stands mm. and the big thing that they say to me is like oh my god it's so hard <laughs> it's so much work <laughs> and there is that slight awareness of like how much work is involved um and sort of what the preparation is um mm. you know and for a lot of artists that's an amazing way to to make a living and to sell and to kind of bypass galleries altogether you know it's not the be all and end all and I think it's another thing to sort of remind people that there are lots of ways to do mm. this and that that's one way and I think it's a brilliant way for lots of reasons because it allows you to focus on your on the work it allows you to be in various places at once it allows you to expand your collector base all the obvious ones but 
there's lots of artists who who don't do it that way um and you know as a result they may not need to sell as much because they get the full price Mm. um you know and there's lots of opportunities for artists to showcase their own work and sell direct but it's it's a slog and it's like the the self-promotion and the marketing side is what is often very challenging for artists so Mm. uh it's easier if someone else can do your work but you know a great thing I see sometimes at the other art fair um there was a great collective a few years ago called Luna Collective which is a group of emerging female artists and they got together because it kept you know stand costs were lower um and they could sell each other's work so I went mm. onto the stand and they were talking about each other's work so it was kind of a great model and one I'd really recommend for people to to do and now subsequently they've all gone on to to do things on their own because they've got more confidence so that's Mm. another way to boost confidence is to kind of team up with people take a stand and big up each other's work as opposed to your own it's a lot easier yeah it is it's so much easier to to talk talk about market other people's work and do a really good job and then when it comes to your own stuff you're like well I don't know what to say yeah exactly (laughs) exactly yeah but I loved uh, a couple of things one I'll be putting in a request for a workshop to to I think to talk about like running your own sort of exhibition with a group of other artists because I think that would be a really great idea I think a lot of people would be interested but maybe don't know where to start. So yeah. just going to put that out there. Okay, yeah, I think that's a great <laughs> idea. I love that idea for a workshop, yeah. And then the, the other thing I think was, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking about how a lot of artists, especially self-taught and maybe emer- emerging, are people who they maybe don't, there's never this point where you suddenly are like, I'm an artist. And, mm. and it's not just about confidence, but it's about thinking of yourself as a professional artist. And so I think a lot of what you've been saying is, is maybe taking people from this idea of I'm not an artist or I haven't don't have gallery representation to okay well that doesn't matter I'm a professional artist and this is what professional artists do mm-hmm. they learn about every aspect of the creation not just the making but also the framing the hanging the shows so I think it's it's about that idea of us deciding that we're professionals even when nobody else is sort of validating that we're validating it for ourselves. Yeah. Do you know what you've hit on such a brilliant point and it's something that I really struggled with when I stopped pursuing music professionally and people would say, you know, oh, you're still a musician or you're still doing music. And I would really struggle with saying yes. I would really struggle with saying I'm a musician I thought hang on a minute this is crazy just because I'm not making money from it doesn't mean I that part of me stops and I think an artist is born an artist and that is that never that never changes and there will be moments where you're making money the moments where you're not Um, but I think the professional element of it all comes down to the approach so it's like Mm. how do I approach this what is my intention what is my commitment to this practice Um, And I think the minute you make that commitment to make it a professional practice, that is the moment it's professional, not the minute you get your first paycheck. Um, It's that dedication and that that mindset. And I think Mm -hmm. it's that again comes with confidence of like, I am able to confidently say I'm a professional artist, you know, anyone who spends um, and I think this came up in your chat with Anna about the idea of like, oh, if you have a certain amount of time, uh, if you only spend a certain amount of time on your art, you know, you're a hobbyist and any more oh, yes, than a professional. Yeah. I thought that's such nonsense. <laughs> I hate when people go on about, oh, I haven't made anything off of my art. So therefore, I'm a hobbyist. Like, therefore, it, that yeah. will really irk me quite quickly. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. And if you know, if you think about like people who study PhD, Mm. um and a a a kind of a a professional doctorate and an academic they might make absolutely zero pounds from that as an academic but somehow that's okay they can be a doctor that should be the same for an artist Mm. an artist should you know if it's it's just about the mindset and and the approach and the the commitment I think and I think that's lovely I think so I think that's something that if people can take away that idea of validating yourself and not necessarily looking to the outside world to validate right, you right. and behaving as a professional, that is the validation enough. A professional mm. is like showing up, taking workshops, finding mentors, doing these buddy dates, going to galleries. All of that is very, very valid. Right. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think that's it. And I think with so many things, whatever comes within, um, getting that sense of validation, like you said, from within, which is unbelievably hard anyway for, for anyone 
but I think uh, I've read this really nice thing in uh I don't know if you've read the Rick Rubin book uh Creative Act I've read some um, of it yeah yeah and he has this thing about I'm going to paraphrase but it's the idea that um artists have it's like their emotions and their sensitivity is is it's like you have a one layer less of skin so everything's just closer to the surface so I think that idea of like you know we are we do absorb things quite a lot mm. more and so I think it's easier to get kind of uh swayed or feel impressionable but the more you can feel sure of your that you know of your value from the core regardless of of the outside world then yeah that's that's the goal but that's a life's work I think <laughs> well it does take it takes a long time and it sometimes it just takes again putting yourself out there and and hearing things you know um, I had gone recently on a walk and I was telling someone I'm an artist and it's a question artists get asked a lot oh can you um make a living doing that or it was something mm, around that like oh are you able to make any money doing that and it's one of those, it's kind of a pet peeve question. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I, I didn't ask you about your job and can you yeah. support yourself and are you paying your bills? Do you know what? That is so true. You would never ask someone. So like, oh, are you paying the rent with that? Yeah, like, like I'm it's... a teacher. Oh, well, are you able to pay your bills with that? Because you're probably not, you know. So like, true. I mean, that's, it's different. really an intimate thing to ask somebody mm. and people feel like there's this authority with that, that they're able to, yeah, to ask that. Yeah, it's so true. I think it's funny because the so I guess by putting myself out there and like speaking confidently about myself as an artist and getting used to hearing those questions so I now can kind of laugh some of the stuff off like it just doesn't bother me anymore mm, yeah, and so I yeah. think it is developing like we're very sensitive but also developing a slightly thicker skin to some aspects of what people are going to say or how they're going to sure. react to what you do because they're for me it also sometimes comes from a place of ignorance um like, because I'm surrounded by artists, I tend to think, oh, everybody's an artist. But when I go out and then hang out with people who are not, I mean, most people are not artists, that's yeah, basically yeah. what I discover. And then they have no idea about what I do or how I do it. And so mm. for me, it's like just educating people about this is what I do. This is what artists do. Not mm. all artists want to make money or need to make money. Some people are doing it for, you know, political reasons. There's so yeah. many different reasons why yeah. people make art. And it's sort of just having those conversations. And I think it's that thing that you've spoken about, even with collectors, it's making connections between mm. what artists do and how people who maybe aren't artists can engage with us. Totally. That's, that's actually a really beautiful uh, topic and area to, to discuss mm. around, you know, the, the sort of purpose and the, the drives, I guess, the drivers behind why people make art. And, you know, I just met with an artist this week, we had a session and she very much does not want to go down the the commercial mm. route, um, you know, uh, and, and it's, and it's really interesting because it's like looking for other ways for that art to live in the world. And I think that it's, it's hard at first. You think, well, okay, well, if it's not going to make money, how's this, you know, how's this going to work? Mm. And I think for a lot of people that, and like you know like that idea of how it can change your relationship to it how money changes your relationship to it is very noble to say actually I I don't want that to enter I want to be very uncompromising with my art and I want mm. that to uh to be um you know not kind of um you know uh affected I guess by the fact that this needs to make money I think there's a sweet spot where because it's not it's 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 unavailable for most people to spend as much time on their practice and not mm. make some kind of living from it um unless you're you know very lucky with funding and all the rest of it but so i think there is there is a balance to be struck i don't think it has to be totally one or the other i think there's a way Absolutely. of you know of of making work that doesn't compromise your your intentions and your values but also sustains some kind of living um, and that I think is really hard for, yeah, for people outside of that to understand, um, you know, because I think it's so clear, you know, you sort of in the corporate world, for example, you know, you have a job, you go to the job and you get paid for your time and, and sort of that's it. And I think if you would say to someone, oh, well, you know, you, you, you'll do this, but you know, you, you might make money some months, and you might not another, they'd just be like, what, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but but somehow I guess yeah we're just wired differently in the sense of there's a way of looking at the world that you know is is kind of yeah it's may, maybe maybe I, I don't want to compare and say one is you know um 
more nuanced than the other. I think that's probably a bit reductive, but it's that idea of maybe looking at the way way of being in the world and uh, not everything boils down to, um, you know, yeah, how you make your living. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to have that sort of, also artist journeys aren't linear. So I think when people right. go into jobs, it, it can be very linear. There's these steps that you take, but I haven't spoken to any artist, even yourself, who has had a linear path it's right. like I tried yes. this I did this this worked this didn't work this is what I want to say yes um, and I think it's very valuable and, and like I run a membership as well and, and basically it is that trying to balance nurturing what's at the core of our art mm. but also understanding that yes we would like to make some money, you know, like we do want to support ourselves this way. So it is sort mm. of trying to find that balance of how do you protect what's at the heart of your artistic practice while still going out and needing to, you know, make money off of it. And and maybe yeah. it's not just selling the art, it might be through teaching workshops, yes. mentoring, other yes. sorts of ways. Yeah. Totally, totally. And I, I love that term non-linear. I think that's such a beautiful way to describe mm. it because it, you know, it just shows that this this it's this kind of yeah evolving entity that that isn't isn't always a straight line and I think that that's something to be celebrated and I think that by calling in you know other avenues like yeah workshops or teaching um I think actually it's a really great way to engage with um parts of your practice to, to see things in different lights as well you know it's not I think we learn so much from from doing that and passing on and, and sharing and you know what other artists have to say so I think sometimes being taken out of our kind of studio into a, perhaps another way of you know using art in the world and 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 kind of a source of revenue can actually feed back to the work mm. um, again also in a really enriching way so that it's you know we need to sometimes step outside of our own perspective um, and so doing things in that in that way um you know I've, I've I've heard artists say that time and time again that they learn so much from their workshops and it kind of feeds back in um so so yeah I think non-linear and and kind of not not being scared of that because I think there is a bit of a stigma around that around mm. the idea of like having a, a sort of different revenue streams and like workshops maybe can you know being considered to be like oh that's a bit of a cop-out and I just really don't agree with that at all mm -hmm. I think that you know it's a beautiful way to share your practice in different ways and even if you have a job that isn't even related to art mm -hmm. I think that's equally as noble and actually in a lot of ways can be so vital because it allows mm -hmm. your work to evolve organically and not not come back to what we were saying before about oh gosh it's got to sort of fit you know everything I make has got to sell and that can absolutely crush your mm -hmm. creativity there's a there's a great um kind of chapter about that in um Elizabeth Gilbert's book Big Magic which you've probably read which I just mm -hmm. absolutely love and she talks about the idea of you know no shame with 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 getting a job especially at the early stages to to fund to fund that practice and give it the space and give it the 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 you know the kind of remove the boundaries um and allow it to really progress organically um and yeah I think it's it's again you know it's like goes back to that the thing you were saying about being a professional artist it's like just because it it's only part of your um you know income doesn't make you any less of a professional artist at mm -hmm. all at all because again it, it goes back to not not necessarily what this other job is it's about how you right. behave right. in your time and your studio time within your practice that's what makes you a you know an artist or not an artist exactly um, exactly yeah so true and actually you can be an artist in so many different ways as well mm. um and I think that's the that's again the sort of we we get sort of sold this one version that and if we think oh if we don't fit into that model then that's not you know we're not it um and yeah it can be really liberating and we realize that there's many ways and I like that way you say way of being because I think that that's again something that you know like you say you move through the world and and come up against sort of a different way of thinking and it's when you realize oh wow I do actually sort of move through life differently and and that's mm. a that's a really lovely thing because that's what you're bringing to your work that's this my mum always used to call it the artist's essence and when a when a piece she connected with um 
she would always say that's because it's got the artist's essence. And in fact, I think you won't be able to see this, but I've got on my desk, or you'll be able to see it. Um, this little jar of it's actually got so it's a little tiny, um, like one of those uh little sort of little vials um uh, with a cork stopper, and it's got in it um loads of little um things that were gathered by an artist in Argentina called Sofia Neptuno, and she oh, wow. She gathered all these pieces because she makes collages and mixed media works. And because my mom always went on about the artist's essence. And so she captured her essence in a little bottle. <laughs> she I love she that. gave it to me. <laughs> um, and it's got, yeah, bits of collage and bits of paintings that she's cut up. I love and... as well. Like when people say, well, you have to speak about yourself. You have to like distill what right. you're going to say. And that's quite distilled because it's a tiny bottle. It's tiny. Things that are important to her as an artist, that essence is fit into that yeah. tiny bottle, which yeah. is really nice to see. That's so true. That's so true. And I think, you know, distilling yourself down, which is why it's so hard to talk about your work sometimes. Because mm. you're like, how do I distill this non-linear, like expansive, evolving thing into one, you know, elevator pitch? It can feel very reductive and very difficult. And that's always changing. Um, but I think that's another mm. thing I often suggest to artists is that that, that conversation, that is a conversation and it doesn't need to, you know, the artist's statement is, it gets so much kind of anxiety around it, but that statement can, can continue evolving. You know, mm. that statement, you can keep revising that whenever you want to. It doesn't mean that that is written, uh, you know, that it, that it's static. I think that's mm. a nice thing to keep checking in with yourself with that. Yeah, it's more like a working document. Right. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that. <laughs> because as we go along, I mean, I think all these journey, the journey that we take and all the different paths we go down, that's making us richer and fuller as artists. Yes, yes. Whereas I used to think about it, there was a time where I was like, oh, that was a failure. I did this. It didn't work. Mm. And that was a, quite a negative mindset for looking at what I had been doing on my journey. Whereas now I'm like, actually, that just makes me richer as a person, mm. richer as an artist. And then when yeah. I go to paint that sort of artist essence that you're speaking of there's so mm. many things that come into it and it is exactly. this rich history of where I've been coming out in my artwork and I think that's really crucial to think everything we do whether we consider it a success or not is valuable that is so so true so true I I worked with this artist called Mark Pearson for many years and he's a figurative painter and he used to say, oh, Claudia, I, I go and hang out in Peckham for a whole morning. I'm sorry, in Soho, he's from Peckham. I go and hang out in Soho for a whole morning. And I just sit at a cafe and I just watch people. And he's like, that's me working. Mm. Because that is him gathering, um, observing, you know, anytime you go anywhere as an artist, because of the way you see the world, you will be gathering inspiration, you know, data, <laughs> ideas. Like, and it'll, it might not even be obvious, to, mm. at the beginning you know it might just be a walk through the park and you haven't even thought that much about it but then later on you'll be you know making a piece of work and you'll suddenly you'll remember the light that was coming through that leaf or whatever whatever it is you know and it's like we yeah are always gathering and you just never know what that is gonna um you never know where that's gonna filter in but it's all valid like you say I think that's such a such a you know what a lucky thing actually to to, to be an artist, to be able to to see the world that way and be able to filter that through to express your work. Mm. And so something else, so sort of similar, but a little bit different. Yeah, so go going on. on to, um, I was just thinking about the Just Postcards event that you oh, ran yeah. last year. Yes. And the reason why I wanted to speak about it a little bit was because I know it was a kind of pivotal moment, not just for myself, but for some mm. other artists that I've mm. spoken to. So... For example, I know some people who submitted pieces mm. who, you know, speaking of confidence, like they had no confidence. It might have been kind of the first time they had been submitting stuff and then their postcard sold. And that kind of gave yes. them that like, oh, wow, actually, maybe I can do this. Maybe, you know, maybe there is something to this. And then for me, it was I submitted things that were sort of illustrative based. And I, I love my animals. Don't get me wrong. But. After as soon as I had submitted them, a bit of me was kicking myself, like, why did I do ah. that? Why didn't I do the abstract stuff that I had been going into? Interesting. You know, why would it? So it was like this questioning of why did I doubt myself? But I love that this one event that you ran for mm. a lot of people was sort of this pivotal moment in their mm. own journey. 
And I was thinking about, I wonder if you are um, intending to run any sort of events or like, what is, what does the future look like with you and art and people in, in different workshops or events? Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad that you, um, that you brought that up and shared that with me. Cause I think that it's, it, it felt pivotal for, yeah myself and so many of the artists involved and um it's great timing in fact because I'm about to announce I want to do it again this year basically and I'm about to <laughs> announce it probably even next week that uh that you know that the the call will be open um and I I'm really excited because we've I've got a gallery in um Bristol where I'm going to host it um in December so it's it's really really exciting um and the thing that was interesting was was that a lot of artists said you know similar to you you kind of did things that were different from your um your the practice that you're working on as a kind of it was a kind of a liberation to do a bit of an experiment as well mm -hmm. because you were kind of you had these restrictions of the size the price um so it kind of allowed you to explore and what's interesting is some of the artists have gone on to then create whole bodies of work based on those pieces which is really exciting and that for me was everything because I was like wow if that if that if this is like you know helped to shape uh you know your direction then that's amazing and if it's helped to give you confidence to to sell mm. your work that is absolutely you know that's game changing for me um to be able to to do that so yes I think I want to exercise um you know the small but um very loving platform that i have to to enable mostly um you know predominantly unrepresented artists to have yeah. that that space um and be able to to have that you know exercise trial run i guess if you want to put it that way um in order to to yeah to 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 share that work so yes very excited to be doing that again um and looking forward to sort of seeing what what what's you know what comes through out of it i was i was just amazed at like the the um the enthusiasm from all the artists for getting so involved because you know it's, it's asking quite a lot to create an original piece of work to sell for under 50 pounds mm. um and and i think you know the fact that 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 we gave proceeds to, to food cycle i think for a lot of people that that allowed it to feel like okay well this you know this is about more than just me yeah. and it was sort of using art to 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 as a as this really powerful way to to raise funds for people in need at that time and um so definitely that element is important and it's and it's but it's interesting when when you think about um you know the value of art and the value of original art and it's sort of it's it, it should be a lot more and so it's like an interesting conversation to have um but at the same time it kind of allowed I know for some artists who would normally sell prints for that price but they might spend money and time making mm. something about the spend about the same amount of money and time making a print and feel really unsatisfied with it than doing a, a study and a sketch that then someone you know is that's an original piece so it was a really for me it felt really important to show artists also that you're able to sell accessibly priced work that is also original. Um, and I think that there's so much power in that um, as opposed to always defaulting to the print as like a lack of confidence thing, yeah. you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's coming up. And then um, what I would love to do in the new year is to do a, um, a showcase exhibition because I do miss I do miss exhibitions like I've done a couple of fairs with my mum um the decorative fair and I've been kind of feeding artists from my community into into her gallery which has been so satisfying for everyone involved um and I would love to yeah I would love to do a showcase for unrepresented artists who I've worked with um I meet so many amazing artists at workshops and mm. you know one-to-ones and that just feels like I want to create a yeah a show where it celebrates that and brings them together and kind of you know has them as as a as a group as a as a collection I think would be really exciting so yeah that that would be that would be a fun thing <laughs> it sounds fun I think yeah it would be really interesting and especially because you work with like you say people who aren't represented and who mm. are quite new you know emerging mm. um I, and I think it's just helpful because you have that knowledge and then sort of people are learning through you like oh, okay this oh, is nice. how to do these things yeah. yeah oh yeah nice I mean that's that's the hope is to yeah use it as a as a as yeah as, as a sort of part of a you know um 
the mentoring would just sort of come part and parcel with putting on a show yeah. like that. And then ideally, the idea is to then invite galleries. You know, I have such a great network of, of galleries and curators that I know. And so a big part of what I want to, to do is, is kind of uh initiate some introductions so that so that people can kind of have a bit of a go-between because it is you know it is so hard to make that introduction yourself and I can kind of I can I can coach people into the best possible um presentation the most relevant uh you know presentation to a to a gallery um but it will still feel um a challenge because of that kind of artist approaching a gallery. And I, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, and there are, you've been, you've been to my workshop, you know what the drill, but it's like a lot of, a lot of galleries will be a bit stuffy about being approached mm. by artists, but there are lots that aren't actually. And so, you know, I've had many conversations with galleries who say, look, if it's relevant and if it feels like aligned and I feel like they've really, you know, thought about it, then absolutely, you know, they're not just going to put it in the junk just because you've written. So it's, it's, it is really worth keeping on doing that. But at the same time, establishing relationships um, is so much easier if you've got something to put you forward. And it annoys me because I feel like in every other business, you can apply for a job without any issues. There isn't that same power dynamic, you know, mm. you can apply for stuff. And I think that's why so many more galleries are doing open calls now, because it's essentially them saying, apply to me in this like organized window, um, you know, and I think that it's a great way to get yourself on a on a gallery's radar. And I'm not talking about the big institutions. I'm talking about the the smaller commercial galleries yeah. and, and mid level commercial galleries that are all doing open call exhibitions. It's an amazing way to get on the radar because you're you're kind of you know the it's not like you're disturbing them uh, at a bad time or like catching them at a bad moment. It's like they've asked for it, so it seems crazy not to not to to um, to take advantage of that. I think from both sides that can work well because for them it's like yeah. they might get to see artists who maybe hadn't thought about applying or hadn't exactly. would never think of uh, approaching them but mm. also for the artist it is always a great way to start thinking about your work a little bit differently and thinking about Very it outside true. of your studio mm. and oh okay well would this fit in with this gallery and actually you start to do your research as well especially if there's like a fee for applying to the open oh, I know. Yeah. you suddenly are like oh okay but maybe we should always pretend like there's a fee so that we do our research find mm. out about the gallery think about it you know in a much higher level and then apply whether it's free or not free <laughs> that's actually really interesting because I I've always really struggled with the idea of fee-based applications mm. but it's really it's actually nice when you put it that way when you're like actually the fee concentrates the mind and the fee allows you to look at it a bit more seriously instead of just like randomly applying to stuff yeah. because you can because it's free it's like okay well if it is going to cost money I'm going to do my research and sometimes we do need a bit of an incentive to do the, the right thing and that is the biggest and most vital part of any gallery presentation is the research that is mm -hmm. that's the most important bit so yeah if a fee even if it's five pounds helps you to like yeah. do that then that is that is really Really I'd like crucial. if all the fees were just five pounds. It would be great if they were all five pounds, like, yeah. my mind, but not expensive, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that you've got options to, to, you know, to apply to several. I think when it's yeah. sort of, you know, up to 40 pounds, it just oh, feels no. like this yeah. is just like, yeah, this is not hurts. okay. It does hurt. Yeah, it's too much because then when you, you know, that puts even more pressure on getting in and that I don't think is right because it is so you know, it's, it is quite arbitrary and can be very political and all mm. these kinds of things. And so I think to put too much onus on the, you know, acceptance is, is also can be really damaging. Yeah. So yeah, the balance is good. So in, so as we wrap up, I know that yeah. you offer um, sort of coaching for artists and, mm. and you also run workshops for collectors. I know mm. framing workshops for both artists and collectors because yes. framing is such a pain. Yeah. Um, so how, if people wanted to get in touch or work with you, so um, what are some of the things that you offer for people? Absolutely, yeah. So with, with regards to the one-to-ones, um, I offer um, coaching on Zoom. So we just, we can meet wherever, <laughs> whatever suits you. It doesn't have to be, you know, most of the places that I'm in are, are usually Bristol and London. Um, but I do also, so I can do personal, you know, in-studio sessions in both those places. 
Um, but I also go, you know, a bit further afield. It's just I can't go too far, otherwise it's not cost effective for anyone mm. involved. So yeah, it <laughs> tends to be if it's in those cities, then we do in person and, and outside of that. Um, Zoom is great. Um, and yeah, and then workshops, um, I run them in person in both Bristol and in London, and starting to think about hopefully moving a bit further afield um outside of those areas as well. So um if if that's not your city, then yeah, do get in touch and see what kind of coming up um and essentially yeah I mean I did during lockdown I did some online workshops which which mm. were great and they worked really well um I think I've just been so jazzed about doing things in person that I kind of don't really want to invest in that right now um and I think you know you've been to them the sort of power of them is that connection and sometimes mm. that can be very di- like group stuff on zoom can be can be a bit of a challenge it can feel a bit more daunting um so so yeah I think you know what's really beautiful is I've started to team up with a lot of studio groups um you know as well as Wimbledon um working with with studios that exist because then you can really learn together as a community and kind Mm. of you know you become aware of each other and you become aware of each other's strengths and how to help each other out and so I would love to yeah engage with even more studios in that way because you know it's it's affordable for artists but it's also about nurturing those communities because I think that it's so solitary being an artist so if if you are able to to access you know these kind of periodical sessions where where you come together and form stronger bonds with with the, your studio you know neighbors then that's that's vital to me so yeah there's a bunch of things on the website um and you can get in touch if you have any questions about the one-to-one coaching I offer a a 15-minute free call um so you can book that on online and um, we can just have a chat and see what you're looking for um and go from there well wonderful thank you so much for being on the podcast Claudia it's been really wonderful chatting with you oh me too I sort of sort of forgot we were recording and just like (laughs) hanging out and chatting which is really (laughs) nice and thank you for all your lovely questions and kind of taking it outside you know taking it a little bit uh further afield you know in terms of like yeah um philosophically I I really enjoyed that so it'd be nice to chat to you more about that Sasha thank you for thank you you for having me and thank you for doing what you do I think it's I think it's great you know in terms of confidence building and it's great to invite artists to to do this because it it, you know it allows them to kind of you know kind of breathe into their story and and Mm. kind of feel like quite empowered with that so I think it's yeah I think Studio Notes is is great well and I love seeing the connections that all artists have you know I've interviewed self-taught and ones who've gone on to get MAs but we all basically have these really crazy windy journeys Mm. and that's what I think that people recognizing that actually all of our nobody's having that linear journey it's always been winding yeah that's so true that's so true that's really comforting isn't it it is yeah (laughs) for me and for other people definitely definitely Mm -hmm.